Hey guys, thanks for listening to another great episode. Here's another holiday, but yet it's a <laughs> it's a strange, strange way to continue on this Christmas Carol. But even so, this is one of my top favorite films I watched when I was young. It's always going to still be a staple, regardless of how the uh, main actor uh, is getting flack. But even so, uh, this one literally takes a cake on the. Uh, film genre on this whole thing so the film is called Scrooge this is a 1988 uh, fantasy comedy directed by Richard Donner uh, written by uh, Mitch Glazer Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue and this is based off of the uh, classic uh, Christmas era by Charles Dickens, but this is a modern telling of that time era, whereas Bill Murray himself is Frank Cross, the cynical, selfish TV executive that is literally paying the visit by the successes of the ghosts of both Christmas past, present, and future on one fell swoop, to help him regain his Christmas spirit. This also has uh, Catherine Allen, uh, Karen Allen, which is um, claimed the fame with uh, many other roles that she has, but more promptly, the Indiana Jones uh, being, I think, Dog's mother in the fourth one. Uh, John Forsythe, uh, Bobcat Goldsworth, uh, wonderful community on that one. Carol Kane, uh, Robert Mitchum, uh, Michael J. Pollan, and Alfie uh, Woodard. Believe it or not, uh, there's another person that's on here, and I think it's uh, John Glover. I believe it's John Glover. And that why that name sounds familiar? Here's the thing. John Glover was Lex Luthor's dad in Smallville. He was Lionel Luthor. He was the uh, doctor in uh, the doctor who uh, unalive uh, Pamela Isley, but kind of gave birth to Poison Ivy uh, in that uh, Batman and Robin film. He was also the voice of the Riddler in the animated Batman uh, TV series back in the 90s. So yeah, this guy literally was uh, a popular name uh, to support roles. So definitely this is like one of those things where it's added on to. So uh, this is definitely a Paramount film. So this was released in November of, tw- of it was released in November 23rd of 1983, a day before Thanksgiving, which is, uh, or day after Thanksgiving, which is, in, in this term, is like kind of funny, but even so, it's awesome. Uh, this film, ironically, did take up to, and I kid you not, the budget of $32 million to make, and, uh, and this was considering the, over the three months of filming between, in New York and Hollywood on this one. So, ironically, this is Murray's return to acting after taking a four-year hiatus after the success of Ghostbusters, uh, which he felt overwhelmed at that time. 
So uh, this literally made uh, the writers rework the script. Therefore, they have Murray agree to joining uh, to film this. So the weird part is that Murray, uh, Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey, Murray and Donner had a different vision of the film, which he describes his time uh, on the film with as misery. Whereas uh, he calls uh, Murray a superbly creative yet occasionally difficult. Uh, this also brings Murray's brothers involved, which is uh, Brian, John, and Joel Murray, which you will see them in certain parts of the film, like in the, uh, I believe, and I kid you not, uh, one will be in the restaurant. There'll be another one that's like hidden in the office space. It's basically an Easter egg of Murray's in that one. So, definitely, this is one of those times where many things are happening. But also, you gotta also consider one more thing because this was a updated version of a Christmas Carol with a more modern twist, which was pretty much became a more commercial base on many things so you gotta understand and there was a f- and I kid you not there was an idea of how Violent Night came to be because there was this one section in the film that had a promo for uh, Lee Majors in the North Pole saving Santa against some sort of like evil bad guys that was taking over the North Pole so it was kind of funny so Alright, let's go ahead and jump onto the plot of the uh, film, which ironically still tests the time right here for this one. So, the company, television company, the IBC, uh, President Frank Cross, is pushing his company to broadcast an extravagant live production of A Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, making the staff work throughout the holiday. Cross did fire executive uh, uh, Elliot Laudermilk for disagreeing with him and sending uh, cheap IBC monogram towels to most of the people on his Christmas list, including his personal assistant and his brother James. Uh, with the power and uh, with the most powerful and influential uh, people on the list, gets expensive forehead uh, stereo VCRs. Uh, Frank's boss, uh, Preston Rhinelander, sees the stress that Frank is under with the, with the production, brought a consultation of Bryce Cummings to provide assistance, though Bryce secretly wants Frank's job. <laughs> the night before the show, uh, Frank is visited by the ghost of his mentor, Lou Haywood, uh, a unloved miser who passed away because of a heart attack seven years prior. Lou had warned him that three more spirits will appear over the next course of days to help Frank avoid the same fate before he vanishes. Ironically, after the uh, little encounter, uh, a ghost helps dials up an old love of Frank's, long ago named Claire Phillips. 
but Frank doesn't make the time for her and she returns to help at a shelter that she works at. So, during the rehearsal starts, he gets started visited by the first ghost during the production. That would be the ghost of Chris and Cass, which is portrayed by none other than Carol Kane, the wonderful lady who had portrayed in Adam's Family 1 and 2, which is Adam's Family and Values, as Grandmama. And, oh, whoa, my bad. That was Christmas present I just announced. My bad. Now, this one. <laughs> this one, the uh, wonderful loudmouth of, of the team, which uh, the ghost of Christmas past is played by none other than David, uh, David uh, Jansen. Oh, Johansson. Yeah, David Johansson, uh, who is also known as being uh, Buster Poindexter in this one. So he was the manic cab driver um, that shows him in the past, which he, he finds solace on television because of how his parents raised him and work on on how they were, were you know, very, you know, different. Then, you know, this proves us that uh, Frank's family was more cold and distant, which gives us our first Murray, if you will, to uh, explain what's going on. Sadly, uh, he didn't find love until he met Claire. And he gets to, like, do many things, but he lost along the way uh, prioritizing his career over her. Which brought Frank, ironically, over to her doorstep uh, by seeing her working at the shelter, trying to make amends. But the attitude turned sour as he sowing his contempt for a gentleman named Herman and several social work, uh, shelter workers in this one. He returns back to the studio, but not before telling Claire... And in quotes, by the way, if you want to save someone, save yourself. Which is very terrible to even think about that. So during the production of the Christmas Carol that's going on on set, he is finally visited by, ironically, the ghost of Christmas Present. There's your feral cane right there. Uh, which is a wonderful, sweet voice, ethereal fairy that literally grabs his attention by any means necessary. And I, when I mean by mean, many, any means necessary, I mean she kicks, screams, and punches the living daylights out of Frank. <laughs> so uh, she knocks him to Grace's apartment, his assistant. Uh, basically, she is our Bob Cratchit of this whole story and how her family is like struggling how to keep things going how she is doing things and this only goes us to our youngest son which is Calvin who is muted by the way because he witnessed his father's uh, passing and he hasn't spoken a word ever since and he's going to therapy for this now the ghost also shows him his brother and how 
he is spending time with his friends, family, and uh, his brother's wife. Which, ironically, this is how he remembers his brother on many, many things that he's done. Like, he, he understands that his brother has done many things, but at the same time, he is, like, he's been busy, he's been doing this, he's been doing that. There lies your second Murray reveal, because, ironically, <laughs> father played his, one of his brothers played his father, the other one literally his brother, and the third one is, like, running around here somewhere in the, um, in the, uh, I think I mentioned that it was the uh, little uh, restaurant that we may have on. I think I'm not sure. Sadly, um, even though the James defended uh, Frank, and despite on the cheap gifts, he still uh, celebrates his well-deserved, you know, kudos. The ghost, however, leaves him in a utility space. Sadly under a sidewalk that has Herman frozen, sadly, um, in place, being of a statue. Whom is surprised that he finds him being cold and, you know, forgotten. Uh, trying to escape out of the whole thing, he breaks through a boarded up door at the back end of the production. Preston directs Bryce to take over the rehearsals to give Frank some time, you know, because the production is causing Frank to go a little, you know, hallucinating, going crazy and all that. So, ironically, uh, with both past and present already made their way into Frank's life, that Frank himself is literally retiring to his office where he was soon to be greeted with, uh, <laughs> soon to be greeted with the hand of soon to come, or future, if you will, until a drunken Elliot uh, finds him with a shotgun, ready to unalive Frank and uh, for causing his life outside of work and his job. As soon as Frank's able to escape into an elevator, a grim reaper-like ghost awaits him, which ironically he thought he saw this same ghost as one of the cast members of the wonderful rehearsal, but it wasn't the same person. So finally, the ghost of Christmas future shows a future where we're now seeing a fully canatonic uh, Calvin that has been in institutionalized. For the mere fact he hasn't spoken a word since and hasn't spoken at all uh, into his uh, young adulthood. He then visits his uh, former love's uh, life where he now noticed that Claire has literally became a uh, Entrepreneur, if you will. She has done big league, and the words in Frank, the words that Frank gave to her on that very day, echoes loudly back to him, saying that homeless is a disgusting way of things, and she lives the high life now. 
sadly, uh, the last visit would be showing Frank at a cremation ceremony, uh, but only seeing James and his wife being in attendance. Remorseful and frightened, uh, Frank realizing that this is his casket. This is literally his body that's being, you know, being crispy, if you will. Uh, until realizing how he felt he wants to change he wants to get rid of being this uh, this person who wants to cause mischief and mayhem for all the loved ones that he's done so he literally went face to face with uh, the unalive moment to literally find out that he breaks free to step out an elevator to realize that he's still alive he's still doing things but at the very end meeting Elliot with a shotgun pronouncing that he is alive uh, Frank literally changes the whole face uh, on Elliot that he got a little crazy <laughs> But at the same time, uh, changed his demeanor towards Elliot, thinking that he is here to celebrate, more like he's here to unlive him, which gave Elliot back his position as an executive uh, producer or executive position inside the company once more. But with Elliot's help, Frank was able to return back to the production set uh, securing Bryson's cultural room and breaking the live performance for a newfound profession of life. He did apologize on air to Grace, James, and the whole cast and crew of all this. Therefore, he could like make a huge global apology, if you will. Uh, he did also on on the air apologize, apologize to Claire and hopes to see her someday but due to the help of a certain ghost he was a the ghost was able to bring Claire to the set uh, which uh, kind of helps out the whole ordeal and everything now this part is actually kind of cool because this helps out with the whole Christmas Carol and all that so once that Claire and Frank have been reunited on set, Calvin happens to be in the uh, wing, if you will, comes up to Frank to finally say his words that he hasn't said in years, or any words to be exact, to remind him to say these words that God bless us everyone. Which gives Grace a huge, and I do mean huge, huge lift of seeing her son actually spoken words and literally just like had hoped out that he was able to break free which you know literally he broke free on that day for his mother for Frank and just repeating the lines of that wonderful Christmas carol now as Frank lead the whole crew into a song which is titled Put a little love in your heart. Seeing uh, Lou, uh, the three ghosts, and the ghost of Herman, smiling 
and waving back at him during the sing-along and gives us this whole spill of who's who and where where and who there. So this is literally like huge on a lot of things. Uh, for one thing, yes, uh, I would highly recommend to watch this in part of your uh, of your uh, you know holiday cheers. And not to mention, there was a lot, and I do mean a lot of cameos back in the 80s that these people were in there. So here's the thing. Alright, bear with me. Uh, so we had lead majors. Miles Davis, Paul Shefford, uh, Larry Carlton, uh, David Sanborn uh, being part of the street musicians, uh, David Hausman being himself, Robert Goulier being himself, as well as the solid gold dancers being the Scroogeettes. Uh, Buddy Hackett being Ebenezer Scrooge. Mary Lou Renton being uh, Tiny Tim. She was literally a gymnastic, by the way. Uh, on the television uh, live version of The Christmas Carol, by the way, uh, James Farr being Jacob Marley. Pat McCormick, Christmas uh, present, Chaz Connor Jr. being a Christmas future, and Ramsey and Logan Ramsey being of the two people uh, in the shelter. So with that whole cameo uh, for that particular film, it was kind of huge on that. And of course, uh, and this is only the production side. They literally had conflicts between one another, and, and this is during the production between Murray and Donner. So it was definitely um, quite different in many things, and it was like really like different visions of how Scrooge was supposed to be. But the film did finish as a rightful way of like getting right to the Christmas spirit and all that. So, like, it was literally right there. Now, for the uh, kind of presumption on uh, the the presumption of Bill Murray being uh, a jerk, uh, I'm going to be honest with everyone. This this was like something totally uh, left field with me, but even so, uh, I assumed that Murray was a method actor who literally wanted to perform the role that he was given but I mean in light in late uh, in latest uh, activities for this one it was like kind of crazy to hear about it so like it was unheard of for the most part but even so the film in itself, it is a prime video uh, way of watching this wonderful thing, as well as making sure that it is what it is, a holiday spirit film. Do I highly recommend it? Yeah, I, I, don't, I highly recommend it, but do I recommend it to be something else? And it depends, it depends, but... Uh, but this film, in, in its uh, film 
technology as it is, it's strictly new on many things, so, that being said, uh, I do graciously thank you for, uh, listening to this episode, I do hope you guys are having a wonderful time as much as I am during the holidays, uh, there'll still be more episodes, uh, even towards the end of the year that I'm starting to put out, so, I uh, may have a few holidays, cheers left and right on this one, but, uh, even so, hopefully they won't take too long. Uh, hope you guys are doing quite well yourselves, um, I'm just doing fine myself. So, until then, you guys have a wonderful time, have a wonderful experience, as well as having a wonderful time, uh, resting. Until next time, I bid you guys farewell, good health, and see ya. Hey guys, listen, uh, there's many things changing to these, uh, episodes, so, yeah, I'm currently able to be listened to, and get this, uh, I've been able to be listened to Amazon Music now, as well as Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google's Play, uh, Google Podcasts with, uh, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, a little bit of Spotify, and, uh, I actually recently started doing, uh, you know, Twitch channels, uh, so, yeah, if you could find me through, uh, Lone Tech X, you'd be able to see some of my gameplay right there as well, but at the same time, listen to some of my podcasts, uh, outside while I'm still delivering some news. Yes, I'm still trying to do other things other than just this, but just for the time being, you can listen to not only this episode, well, all the other past episodes I've done before I've done Twitch. So, uh, once again, you can guys find me at, and this is actually the, uh, head, uh, the head page for this, which is anchor.fm slash edcast20. That is anchor.fm forward slash E-D-C-A-T-C-S-T, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, it's literally uh, EdCast20, which is uh, E-D-C-A-S-T-2-0, which you guys can hear, hear me from there. You can look at there, and you can leave me a message, as well as find the uh, website that's connected at all. So, yeah, here you go. Take care. <laughs>